So let's start off uh, with an aspiration, which is, I think, one of the great, the great aspirations. We can have any kind of aspiration we'd like, but uh, I like boiling things down, condensing things down to an, an essence. So uh, let's start with something like this. That's uh, the work that we do together uh, today and uh, tomorrow is for the benefit of all beings, but also for the uh, removal of suffering, the overcoming of suffering, the overcoming of uh, suffering states, uh, the development of wisdom and compassion, uh, not just for ourselves, but uh, for all beings. People need it. So that would be a, a very good aspiration. So traditionally, actually untraditionally, because it's kind of a new one, uh, we say for the sake of all beings, wisdom, compassion, and non-clinging awareness. Can everybody hear me okay? Is that? Nope. Okay, I will project. Very good, thank you. I've written down the topics on the poster, and I'd like to actually address those topics, but I'd also like to know what your, your specific questions are, okay? And please feel free to ask questions. I am coming to a place uh, over the years. Can I sure. How many people in the room are practicing therapists of one form or another? Great. Terrific. So you'll help me out, okay? I am not a practicing therapist. Um, and a lot has happened in the field since I sort of formally studied that way. And how many people here are have practiced something called meditation? Pretty good. Okay. How many people in the room have been involved in what I would call retreat work, uh, a weekend, week, two weeks, three weeks of fairly intensive retreat. Good, great. Okay. So what I want to do is I'd like to cover by uh, talk, by discourse, by questions and answers, uh, a number of things. One is what from the tradition of Buddha Dharma, and I'm also going to mix in Christian, the Christian mystical tradition as well, and the Kabbalistic tradition, but what constitutes, in my mind, my personal view, and what constitutes in extremely, because I'm a very, I'm, I'm a strong traditionalist in many ways, what constitutes a rigorous analysis of a clear spiritual unfoldment from different traditions, but especially from the Buddhist tradition. And I would like to explore some of the similarities and differences with psychotherapy, therapy, counseling, these, these sort of things, uh, and look at the differences and similarities. Also, what's been happening in the last 10 years, 15 years, been some new growths. I'd also like to look at, and I'd like to explain in, I think, some detail, although that could be a week or two, but some pithy detail, what actually constitutes meditation 
from a professional point of view. I'll say from the outside, there are a lot of misunderstandings about meditation and about classically, professionally, what constitutes spiritual development. It's in a sorry state today. It's a bit like calling chicken McNuggets food in some ways. You got the idea? Yeah? Like a food product. Even, even, even a food product is a big stretch. Yeah? Uh, I've been having a great time recently exploring, uh, well, I've been doing this for a good part of my life, exploring food. And uh, here's, a, here's a wonderful explanation for you. How about try this? Is anybody here kind of like a, think of themselves as a naturalist? Study science? Go into a grocery store. Now, not capers, not Whole Foods, but go into a grocery store. And look at a grocery store as if you were walking into a forest. Okay? Or a jungle. And your assignment is to actually look at what's there and to see if anything there is actually natural. Okay? Where it comes from, what the origin, the source of it is, and so on. This, is, this would be a great exploration. Right? The first place I'd like to start with is, uh, we have a topic here, how not to confuse spiritual practice with therapy, which I'd like to adjust because over the last, I think, 10 or 15 years, from what I've been reading and the the friends and colleagues and students that I speak to who are therapists and uh, in that area, there's been a huge change. There's, there's lots of change happening. And one of the things that we see is, I, I believe, and let me know if you have some differences and things you want to add. One of the things I'm seeing is two big streams happening. Is a re-emergence, which happened quite a while ago, different times, a re-emergence of therapy, whether it's psychotherapy, somatic therapy, all kinds of things. Therapy becoming integrated, unified, exploring spiritual domains, especially meditation. This is, this is big. There are conferences, I think, in the States I'm hearing about 700 people show up. Big, big. Papers being published, whole books being published. It's a growing field. The other thing that I've been following for a number of years, it's actually in some ways where I, what I did my graduate work in, but a little bit different, is there's now with a lot of new brain science work, there is a blossoming of brain, we'll call it brain science, neurobiology, neurophysiology, and looking at psychotherapy from a biological, a neurophysiological level, and also a hot topic, especially in the United States, is meditation and neurophysiology. All these things are beginning to come together, and I'm seeing a lot more papers, I'm seeing a lot more discourse on linking neurophysiology with meditation, linking the practice of meditation with psychotherapy and so on, and these are all coming together, and we're seeing a whole rich development arising. Especially every time a paper gets published in neurophysiology, just about, there's now a linking to meditation or psychotherapy. So what we're seeing is 
an attempt to bridge psychotherapy as an art, as a craft. I used to say this. When I studied anthropology, they used to try to convince us that anthropology is science. I came from the relatively hard sciences. And I went into anthropology. And they talked about anthropology as science. And I used to go, <laughs> are you kidding? I used to have courses on the science of anthropology and, science, and, and on the nature of science. And I go, no way. This is an art. And they can't admit it. They want it to be a science. You know? So, so um, I think we also have to appreciate that some things are high arts and high crafts. So today, there is a whole effort to explain the nature of psychotherapy, the nature of therapy and science. And we're seeing all kinds of papers being written, uh, work with brain scans. And I'm going to tell you I have my cautions on that. One of them is that brain science is a very new burgeoning field with very small population sizes for, in terms of science. And I have my cautionary antennae out over the changes and the directions that's taken. It's extremely and sometimes very reductionist. I would like to give, I would like to uh, read something I wrote the other night uh, and open that up for comments. I wrote something I think is fairly succinct and uh, I'd like to just read from it and make some comments. One of the things I'm seeing is that it is not so easy, just like the field of meditation, field of spiritual growth, it is not so easy to talk about a technique. I think the literature and the, the science is showing less and less that the technique is that important. Am I seeing, is this a heresy? The technique is less, what is more important is the gift of the therapist the unity of the therapist and, we'll say, the client, the patient, the person before you, and the recognition that therapy, as is the teaching of meditation, I want to explain what I mean by that. It doesn't mean the same thing to different people. If I use the word dharma, well, I need to explain that as well. But as a grand craft, as a high art, that you learn through experience, and less of it is technique, although you learn a lot of technique, but more of it is the craft that you do as a dialogue with another human being. Does that sound about right? Research is showing that maybe, maybe, what, 15 to 20 percent, maybe only that, 10 percent, is about technique. Is that about right? I think that's what it's showing. Interesting, isn't it? You can learn all the technique in the world you want, but what does it come down to? Your experience and the empathy, right? And that dialogue. So who's here to learn some techniques? <laughs> <laughs> you know that one was like, oh, no, not, not yet, not yet. Dr. Stranger, I will show you some technique. And by the way, technique, if you understand what's behind it, is really important. But when it comes to the way I was taught, certainly about meditation, uh, and not so much meditation, about unfolding of a human being, 
technique is like a support, and I can teach you really good technique, but actually overview. If you don't have a view, if you don't know where you're going, and you can't impart that to another person, technique is dry. It's brittle. It's like wandering the desert without water. Let's talk about therapy for the moment and counseling. What is it that is your major preoccupation with the people that come to see you? Can I, can I hear that for a minute? And, and actually, would someone like to go to the board and, and list these? I'd like, to, I'd like to see them listed. Is anybody volunteering to? Thanks, Debbie. I'd like to hear from you what is your normal preoccupation? What is your normal challenge in a day or a week with the people that are coming to see you and what would they like? What is the outcome that they would like? Can we list those on the board? Let's just put up there therapy. Is that okay? Can we use the word therapy? Okay. I have lots to learn. I have lots to learn from you today this weekend, so I'm I'm quite excited. What is it? Why do people come to see you? Not happy? Let's write that down. Not happy. I'd like to ask you a question about not happy. How many of us here are occasionally not happy? Is that fairly normal? How many people have the concept, the notion, that you should be happy all the time? Interesting. Two. The people that come to see you, the clients, the patients that come to see you, what's that unhappiness like for the most, for the most part? Depression. depression? Serious depression? Okay, let's, 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 put, under, let's be, put beside not happy. Uh, depression? Anxiety. Anxiety. How much, how much anxiety and how much... Depression, are we talking about? Sure. That's what I'm getting at. Thank you. That's right. And that's the state. And I would, I would agree. I would, I would like to see, and that's what I'm getting at, is that that should be capital D and capital A. What's that like for a lot of people out there that you're seeing? All-encompassing. Eh? Huge. What's it doing to their life? Let's put those down. Destroying. Destroying a life. And the lives of others around them, correct? For the most part, I'd like, to, I'd like to hear what you have to say. For the most part, my understanding of a therapy, for, for many of the people that I know who are therapists, just about finishing up now. <laughs> Good morning. I have friends that are therapists that, especially in Israel, 
that have clients and patients that are at the edge of committing suicide. It's not fun. So maybe we can put up there, I'll add one, which is uh, suicide, suicidal. How about other, can I have any other feedback? How about other things that you need daily? Addiction. Addictions. Should we put addictions with a capital A as opposed to minor ones? Would you say that most people have addictions? 90, 95% of all people have some, some kind of addiction, correct? Is that right? It's normal, right? Addictions. To be a human being is to be addicted to something, correct? Habits. Habits that are minor to habits that are overblown and what? Destroy a life. Yeah? Lies around. Others? Chronic pain. Disabling pain? <coughs> yep. Would, would you... Pardon? Grief and loss, to the point where the life is what? Almost dysfunctional? Yeah? Sometimes? How about this? How many of the people that you meet or come to see you are what you would say would be fairly highly traumatized individuals? Is that, is that about right? Some level? Okay, let's put that. Trauma. Psychosis. Can you, Susan, maybe describe what that's like for that person? What's, what's that doing? What, is, what effect does that have on your life and the people around them? Can't function. Okay. And and isolated. become isolated. Yep. So let's put a capital P there with psychosis. Would you say that that most people, fairly normal neurotic people, are psychotic from time to time during the day? Okay. That would be small p. Yes? We're talking about big P. Big P. Terror. Terror. Let's put terror down here. How, Michael, how often, Tara? Yeah. Okay. They're, they're ground of experience. Ground of experience. Yep. How about for those that are not psychotic, terror? How often? <laughs> not that often, but sometimes, sometimes, sometimes fear, which, which you could put under anxiety. Any others? Get in the picture? Yes. Physiological and structural imbalances, yes. So an inability to regulate. Good one. Inability to regulate physiological and structural integrity. Numbness, frozenness. Okay, so we use the word numbness, disassociated frozen, rigidity, and let's capitalize those. I was watching a man walk down the street yesterday who I don't know what was moving on his body, but not much. 
just, just watched. Like, the arms were frozen, the legs were kind of frozen, and the head was like this, walking down the street. Completely frozen. Which is not unusual. Have, are you meeting people that you would say physiologically, chemically, without taking chemicals, and some of, them, some of the people that you are, are taking chemicals, but there's a real chemical imbalance in their system. Yeah? The chemistry's awash with something that just isn't right. Yeah? Okay. I'd like to put there, besides inability to regulate physiologic state, a wash, how do I put it? A wash with imbalance of chemistry. It's just not, that's not, not functioning. Anything else? Anger. Let's put capital A, anger. Anger, rage. Capital A, capital R. And how about capital F, frustration? Yes? I like the word boiling. How about boiling? Yeah. And very delusion? Yes? Delusion? Yes, yes. Delusion. Under with psychosis. Amenia, for sure. Yes. Amenia. Let's put that down. Any, any, anywhere, I think. Capital M mania. Okay. Any others? DID? Sorry, I don't know that term. Ah. Okay. DID? Okay. Confusion. What kind of confusion? In <coughs> paralyzing indecision? How about this? Paralyzing, is that okay? Paralyzing indecision? Are we about done? Or can we go on for a couple hours? <laughs> yes. Uh, relationship difficulties. Ah, relationship difficulties. Good point. It would get to the bottom, wouldn't it? <laughs> that was a capital R. Yes. <laughs> Okay, but I'd like to talk, I'd like to, that's fine, that's great. I'd like to actually hear from the, ther the people practicing therapy, which you actually, you are. Yes, you are. So, so. Okay, that's a good one. I, and, and I wanted to put that in, so. Capital F, food. And I'm going to speak a fair bit about that. It's a, it's a pet theme of mine at the moment, food. It's a pet theme, and uh, you'll hear all about it this weekend. Uh, any others? Just some, some big ones. Okay, let's now describe, if this is really, is this about right for the, the people that are coming to see you? Okay. If that's the case, and now we say to that individual, let's explore the mind. Let's explore, let's spend hours exploring tranquility. Let's explore for hours what good states are like. Let's explore for hours with good concentration what the body, 
the feelings are like, the sensations. How many of your people coming to you, patients, clients, and so on, can actually spend more than a second to two seconds? Don't think of yourself. A second to two seconds or three seconds being able to focus on something like sensation, something like mind, something like mental states and feelings? Or is it too much in turmoil, like being caught in a force 10 gale on an ocean and being thrown around? Does that sound about right? Okay. So up in the corner there, let's make a box or a circle. <coughs> is so turbulent, so such a turbulent state of affairs that concentration on actually what's occurring is very difficult. How's that sound? It's difficult to focus long enough to be able to investigate or explore spiritual domains, we call it. I, by the way, I'm painting a fairly extreme position here because I want to show some of the difficulties of when people come to practice what we call perhaps the spiritual life, some of the, some of the difficulties they're facing. So I'm painting an extreme position because you're also going to have people that come to you who are quite capable and quite ready to do different kinds of meditative practice. Is that right? Okay, so don't think it was just... But I want to say, are there a fair number of people that you're seeing that wouldn't be able to meditate as you know it for some time. All right? Okay. This is a very important, this is a very, very important point I want to make, is that we need to talk about what constitutes, from a classical perspective of thousands of years, what constitutes a true, wholesome, clear, spirit, what we call a spiritual path and why many people today, even very healthy people, are actually not ready or not following it correctly. I've given this analogy a lot of times. But because there's some new people I haven't seen before, I can use it. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but I, I like to do uh, study plankton. Ocean, ocean plankton, and every once in a while we get out in the ocean, and we go out kilometers, and we need to take samples. We need to take temperature and five nuts, right? Nitrogen, uh, different kinds of nutrients, and we need to take samples over the side of the boat. And I got a couple of colleagues here who have done that with me, and. They're trying to do something as simple as put a net over, and they're holding their guts and saying, excuse me, because the swells are pretty high. When that happens, even minor swells on a clear, calm day, what's it like trying to take a measurement and focus on something as simple as taking the temperature of the water? Are there times that you don't want to do it? 
Are there times that when you're being thrown across the boat and you're saying, I can't even pour the bottle from one bottle to another, yes? And you've got a, a, a container of formaldehyde and you're trying to pour it in while the boat is tossing and you're actually being hit from one side to the other, yes? Have you had times when you look down and you go, I can't do anymore, I'm just going to throw up. <laughs> and you do throw up and then you get back and you do it. How much concentration do you act, peaceful, tranquil concentration do you have? It's tough. See? How long is there enough sustained concentration focus to look at anything in depth? See? So one of the analogies or metaphors I give is that to practice not just meditation, but to unfold really beautiful human qualities as if you're being tossed around on the ocean, even on a calm day, is a really difficult thing and takes training. Did you see what I mean? It's, it's really difficult. And why we think that people who are being tossed around on the ocean in a 4-7 gale can do that, this is a weird Western notion. Because they can't. And they're not prepared to do it. There, isn't that right? There's times when we, not many, because we've gotten really lucky with the weather, but there are times when we've set out to go out in the ocean and we haven't been able to. Why? It's just too rough. It's dangerous, it's too rough, and it doesn't make any sense. There's other work to be done. Okay. Yes. So maybe we go out and stay close to the shore where it's less rough. Where it's less rough. So is there perhaps a continuum of sustained focus? Yes, but we may not be able to get a sample. And the sample we want. <laughs> but guess what we get? You know what we get to do? We get to get other samples and spend some time with something else we weren't really looking for. Are we not still conditioning our minds? Yes. Okay. Good point. Let me talk about some things that may resonate with you. There was a time in most traditional spiritual traditions, whether it's Buddha Dharma, whether it's Kabbalistic, anything else, where the idea of meditation, clear, calm, lucid, sustained periods of focus, was something that you don't do at the beginning. It was unheard of. It's like trying to practice a high craft and having no training. My, my father's a wood turner. That's like trying to turn a bowl with cracks, pits, and everything else, and a dull chisel, and a machine that's not working, and you don't even know how to use a machine, and stepping up and trying it to turn a bowl. Be foolish, wouldn't it? Be very foolish. What are some of the things that in traditional spiritual domains would be done with a human being before they ever sit, stand, or whatever, in meditation? What do you need to do as a human being? Actually, first of all, let's even, let's even forget that. Let's put up there spiritual. Make a small box.
And I want to take the word meditation away for a moment before we bring it back. What in your minds constitutes a spiritual, liberated, free, more free being? What are the kinds of human qualities, ideal human qualities, that we would like to see if we're talking about a spiritual or a path of liberation or enlightenment? Let's, let's hear that from you. Trust. Trust. Trust how? Trust how? Trust how? Trust in yourself, trust in the universe, trust in other people, uh, that other people can trust you. Okay, so let's put trust. <laughs> Unconditional love. Compassion. What do we mean by compassion? We're using those words. Uh, unconditional love does what? What, does, what is unconditional love? Supports... Should we say support, supports, helps, nourishes all beings? Yes? What would be acceptance? What would be the difference between that and compassion? It's a manifestation. What does that manifest? Pardon? In an individual case, how do we do that? What's the manifestation like? Pardon? Okay, how about this as a possibility? It actually does something about the state and tries to remove the difficulty. That part's tricky. But generally speaking, generally speaking, by compassion, we mean the actual removal of suffering and not just support. With permission. Okay. 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 Yes, empathy and understanding. Let's let's put that as well. Empa feeling with the other person's feeling. That's what compassion is. Well, we could we could spend uh, days on that, but but for now, uh, let's just put those words out and see what people mean by them. Okay. Consciousness. What, what do you mean by consciousness? Conscious of or consciousness? I mean, it seems to me that consciousness is my capacity to, to separate from what's going out there to what's happening inside here, how those two are interrelated. Could we... Supposed to be just driven by my instincts or my Okay. Could I use a few words like um, high level of distinction, discernment? How about this word? H high level of discernment. Is that okay? Yeah. Presence. Presence. Okay. Presence, awareness. Thank you. Awareness of awareness. Detachment. 
what kind of detachment? Would you like a person that is detached, uh, but perhaps emotionally detached? How about, how about this? No emotions. Actually, a lot of people like that. Detached in what kind of way? Objective. Okay, objective detachment. How many people would like, as a human quality, a humanness of detachment? A emotionally rich detachment. How about that? An emotionally rich, bright detachment. How's that sound, as a human being? Detachment, that's great. Detachment of outcome. Mindfulness. Do you, do you distinguish between mindfulness and awareness? Okay, and let's, let's, let's come to that because that's a major theme for, for, that's a major theme for the next one. Okay, so we'll put, put mindful, mindfulness. Very good. And I want, to, I want to explore in the next two days uh, two words which are very, very important is mindfulness and awareness. Very, very important. Connection. Connection. Great. Connection, interrelatedness, uh, a feeling of interdependence, a feeling of Unity? I, I can get going here. Now, we're, what are we talking about? Let's, let's hear a few more, and then I want to ask you, what are these? Courage. Courage. Fearlessness? Courage? Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Fearlessness? Truth. Great. Truth. What kinds of truth? I think it fits with a lot of what you see there, really. How about this, which, I, which hasn't been raised yet? How about ethics? Ethical being. Whatever that means to you, an ethical being. A highly ethical being. A highly, you could use the word virtuous, but highly ethical being. A sense of morality, yes, yes. How about not just a sense, but a manifestation? That would be, because we're talking here about what constitutes a true, genuine spiritual being. Any others? I like that. Capacity for reflection. Yeah. Innately joyful. Hmm. Let's put that one down. Fierceness. Hmm. I like that. Fierceness. 
whether I like it or not, let's put it up. Okay. Yep. Let's put fierceness. We usually make a distinction. That's fine. Fierceness, power, at a high level. Yes. Okay. Metal. I, I would say truth and, would you say truth and highly ethical being? Honesty? I would say that if those aren't there, then there'd be no honesty at all. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's one of those words that isn't used very often. That's great. I like that. That's, that's metal. Great. Hope. Let's put uh, hope, faith. Hope, faith. I'd like to add another word is confidence. A confidence about life. Confidence about presence. Confidence about being. Trust. Any others? Yes. Practicality and groundedness. I think we're just about done for a while. <laughs> yes. It's not a small box. No, it isn't. It's gotten out of the box, which is which is normal. Okay, higher self. Yep. Yep. Perseverance. Integrity. Well, we're really out of the box now. I'm going to get to that. I'm, I'm just making up a list to get to exactly that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, walking with God, or walking in God, walking with God, uh, as some Aboriginal traditions say, walking in beauty. Reverence. Reverence. Wisdom. Beauty. Wisdom, beauty, reverence. Okay, let's. I think that's good for a moment. What are these? What are all these qualities? Virtues. What? What? Why are we putting them down? Why are they coming out? Why is it that we actually have these words? We have these terms. What's behind it? The mind. The mind. Yes. Well, this is an ideal. These are the ideal qualities that some aspire to as what? Let's take, the word, no, let's take the word spiritual out. A human being. A richly endowed, unfolded, crafted human being. Would you agree with that? Is, is that about right? 
Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to aspire towards? And I think we're seeing more and more, I mean, if I go back to, let's say, an attitude by early psychotherapists uh, would be, especially Freud, would be to take a human being who's in a state of abject misery and help them come to a place where they can function and be less miserable and in a better place. Is that about right? 50, 60 years ago, 20 years ago, and even today, yes? More and more over the last 20, 30 years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, there's more, there's an emergence of not just that view, but psychotherapy as an art of life, yes? As a craft of life. As even something that's just fine for a relatively neurotic, healthy individual to go through, yes, to become a better human being. We'd, we'd, is that about right? Yes? I'm seeing that in the literature. I'm seeing that by friends telling me this, that it's not just about uh, someone who's psychotic, but actually someone who has difficulties, a human being who has difficulties that wants to become what? A better human being, yes? I think it's very, very important, as it is traditionally, not to use the word meditation. Very important. We should take that word out. Can we create another box in the middle there? Let's, let's make a little box and see how big it gets. In the tradition of Buddha Dharma, there are three divisions which are so old and so classic and are held with every single tradition as a great rule, an unbroken rule. And it's not just about meditation, but it's about life. How about that? Let's take the word spiritual and talk about a full life. I much prefer that. I was once sent a letter by the Dharma Center of Canada as an invitation saying, we would like you to come to the Dharma Center of Canada to be the, med the resident meditation teacher. I wrote a letter back saying, no. It wasn't quite no. I said, no. I said, I'll come as a teacher of Dharma, a, te a teacher of unfolding life. I can come as a, as a meditation teacher. That's missing the point. There is no such thing as meditation without being an alive, unfolded human being. The word meditation has become a fast food term. It's a buzzword. And it's being used in many cases incorrectly. Let's put three words down. Well, this first word is two words. <laughs> Virtue ethics number that's number one. See almost out of the box. You got in there. Number two concentration. Number three wisdom. This is, this is so classic, this is 
fundamental, this is the rock bottom. This is what constitutes in the tradition of Buddha Dharma. By Buddha, I don't mean Buddhism. Buddha Dharma, the actual practitioners of liberation, of the complete path of what's required. You'll see that number two, concentration, or what we normally call meditation, is only one factor. You see? This used to be considered as a tree. The roots of the tree is virtue and ethics. The trunk of the tree is concentration and meditation. The fruit and the flowers of the tree is wisdom. You don't have wisdom, which is the list on the right-hand side. You don't have a being who is unfolded unless you have nutrients coming from the soil. Does that make sense? It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And if the trunk is not well developed, the branches fall off. So many people today are trying to unfold as a spiritual being and practice meditation without any roots. None. They're damaged. They're not there. They're only partially there. This is terrible. Traditionally, in most traditions, traditionally most, that's great, that's great. In many, many traditional spiritual practices, you spent years in the area of virtue and ethics to establish the roots. What are some of the roots that are brittle, damaged, broken in our society today, which are impacting what you see? Fundamental things that are so out of kilt, so out of whack, that it makes it difficult to emerge as a flowering human being. What are these? Can, you, can we think of some of these things? Worship of money. Hmm? Worship of money. Worship of money. Preoccupation of money? Okay. We need another box. <laughs> it's like a PowerPoint. We just do instant PowerPoints. Preoccupation with money. Okay. See if, see if Debbie can actually keep up. Another way of describing this, what kind of pressures are the modern individual that you're meeting under that are such difficult pressures that the spiritual side is going to be fragmented no matter what a person does. Where is that fragmentation? Where is that stumbling? Where is that foam and that froth and that turmoil coming from? Let's list them. But let's go to origins now. Let's go to origins. Overbeing. Anger. Anger. Let's look, I'm, I'm going to look for sources. I'm going to put one out there. I want to look at some of the things that we're all facing 
as modern human beings that are helping support some of this. I'd like to put down the word food and nutrients. Nope. Don't want those words. I want to talk about what kinds of things are happening in your life and the people that you know that are the sources that are not supporting a healthy tree. No space. No space mentally, no space physically. Yeah, Very busy. I'd like to add something else which I have been taken to task for is cities. Cities. Living in large urban populations puts a tremendous pressure on human beings. I've had people come up to the Dharma Center of Canada, which is two and a half hours outside Toronto, who've never meditated. They come for an interview. They ask for meditation or something. They go to a cabin in the woods. And they come out after two days going, that was the most incredible thing. You know what they did? They left the city of Toronto. They went into the woods for the first time in years. They heard creatures. They heard sounds. There was no electricity. And they came away feeling incredible. And they said, thank you for the meditation. I said, nothing to do with meditation. Nothing to do with meditation. You breathed. You actually had a breath. Marvelous. I think an add-on to that is being living in a city you feel quite alone, quite separate from everybody else. Living in our own little world and we're not connected. Aloneness and separation with all these people around. Is that something? Thank you. I like that. Media. How about this? You all know the numbers of the amount of ads and convincing arguments that you get every day? What's the number? What are you bombarded with? What's the number of bombardments that you receive every day? It's about 3,000. Okay? Television, radio, posters, uh, mail flyers, whatever it is, is about 3,000 per day where you are told what? What is the message in almost every single ad that you're receiving into your nervous system? Whether you to buy what? You're not good enough. How about this? You're not good enough, and if you buy this product, you will be happier. Whether it's a cosmetic, whether it's a new shampoo, whether it's a food, whether it's a story, whether it's a product. Yes? How about that? Is that a good for media? You're bombarded since you're a child with messages that you're not good enough. And if you buy something, you'll be happy. What does that do for a human being living in this culture? Distraction. What else? You don't get to rest how? Fully. You don't get to rest fully, but what are you actually being trained to do moment to moment? It's not mindfulness. 
It's not concentration. What kind of anxiety is being placed into the being since you're a young child? I'm, I'm going to tell you what I believe is partly what you're up against. Okay? Why? What is happening in the nervous system with 3,000 messages per day, and what's the message that's going to the nervous system? Okay, you can't hear yourself, you can't feel What else is happening? Overstimulation. But there's a, there's a point here. We've already talked about it. You're not good enough. Not only are you not good enough, the nervous system is having to process Let's get biological. The physical organism is having to process conflicting messages all day long that are saying, you're not good enough, but you need to do something to get good enough. And the way we do that is we buy our way out of that. We purchase something. And what's that doing to the organism? It's huge. It's huge. Now we get them on our cell phones. We just, oh, there's another message. There's another message. Now it's a big, huge area. I think it's worth, they figure, billions of dollars, which is cell phone advertising. Any way to get at your nervous system to get you to purchase. Ah, media. Let's look at media now. You know this, right? You're all intelligent, grown-up people. What When you are looking at an industry worth billions of dollars, what do people sit around and do today for the last 30, 40 years? When we're facing an industry that's worth billions and billions of dollars, what are we going to do as people that want to make money in that area, in that industry? Do you know what they do? They plot and they plan. They have meetings with consultants. I've been involved in these meetings as a consultant. I've sat in on these meetings. What do we do? We figure out how we're going to change the culture of a group of individuals so they will buy the product. We're going to teach you how to use a cell phone, how often to use a cell phone, to buy more airtime and to buy more products. And we're going to train a whole generation of individuals how to act, even how to speak. Don't think this isn't happening. It's happening in a major way. Not only that, what food to eat, Young kids who has children, what's that like? It's wonderful, isn't it? What kind of food? Bombarded at all levels. But what is your concern? You're told that there's no problem with that. There's no physiological problem, eh? All the research is indicating there's no physiological problem. Hmm, it's not true, but that's the case. Do you, do you see the, the point I'm making? You're given hundreds of messages to improve yourself, but they're not necessarily the correct messages that you're constantly getting throughout the day or during the week. Which one are you going to do? Which yoga? method are you going to go and do? Which meditation teacher? Which therapy? Which, which, which food? Which diet? Which, which new sexual practice are you going to take on? Which, which uh, thing are you going to study? What, what are you going to do when you grow up? 
It's amazing, isn't it? Is there any reason why you would be able to craft a spiritual being under that kind of pressure? Would it make sense that a spiritual being with those qualities is going to emerge naturally? Forget it. Should I be blunt? Forget it. Now, was it possible to do that 400 years ago? No. What were you dealing with 400 years ago? You're the wealthiest, most prosperous group in the entire history of the planet. You're all, the people sitting in this room are nobility. 400 years ago, 200 years, 100 years ago, the only way we'd be having this talk, except you're maybe in some weird, strange pocket of the world, is if you're nobility. Maybe 1%, maybe a half a percent of the population would ever have the time, the money, the finances, and the leisure time to actually do this. Look at you. This is amazing. This is astounding. What, as all of the people in this room, except maybe one or two, what would you be doing right now, 100 years or 200 years, and for the last two or 3,000 or 4,000 years on the planet? What is your life like from the year of zero to the year of 45, which would be your average lifetime? What would you be doing, all of us? Gathering food? Yes, what kind of gathering food for the last couple thousand years? Working on a farm to your bones. Yes? Do you know what it was like? Being sick all the time. Coming out of one illness, going into another illness. Yeah? We have a very rosy idea of what life was like hundreds of years ago. How about plagues and pestilence coming through your village on a regular basis where three quarters, a half, or a quarter of the people that you know are dead within a year or two? How about wars, pestilence, rape, disease, the whole thing, right? Constant. What were you doing for 40 years of your life? Toiling. That's what most of us did. Yeah? That's what we would be doing. And our average life expectancy 100 years ago was what? About 45. Look at the age in this room. Fantastic. You have every opportunity as wealthy, I don't even care if you're on welfare, wealthy, bright, well-educated human beings to do that, spiritual. Which is why I suspect 90% of you are therapists or involved in therapy. That's the real reason. And look at the impediments to unfolding a spiritual, a human being with the pressures on, from society right now. Isn't that something? So don't just keep thinking it's a mental thing you're up against. The roots are being soaked in an unnutritive growth medium. In the greatest time, a wealthy, wonderful, opportune time to become what? A rich 
compassionate, loving, well-endowed human being. Is there anybody in this room that would not want to be, in this lifetime, a well-endowed, loving, compassionate human being with those qualities? Do I see lots of hands going up? Isn't that remarkable? Is that what you'd like to do? And is that where you're coming from as a therapist? I suspect it is. In some way, in some measure, the individuals that are coming to see you, wouldn't you like for them to have some of those qualities? Is, is that right? And you're searching, which is one of the reasons why you're here, and you're searching, you're going to workshops, you're studying, you're practicing, for what reason? To remove the suffering, yes, to a greater or lesser degree, from the individuals and the people that you're seeing, yes? And what kind of ideal would you like to have, ideally, for yourself and others? That list on the right-hand side, yes? And what are we all doing? We're searching around for methods, techniques, ideas, concepts, to do what? Remember and to fulfill these. And we're living in a time, similar to 2000 or 2000 years ago, we're living in a time where there are hundreds if not thousands of people like myself and, and writing books. Lots of books, lots of DVDs, lots of podcasts, all around the world, saying a similar thing with all kinds of different messages. Is that right? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Would anybody in the room who's a practicing therapist, would you disagree with what was just said? No. 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 And that's the point of it. And that's what's happening, I believe, uh, today between the spiritual and therapy, is that crossover is a recognition that to actually be a really good therapist is to be a really what? A really fine human being. You get to do that. What happens, what, what happens outside the, the room? Yeah, what happens outside the room? It's fascinating, isn't it? Yes. Beautiful.
Well, that's all I've got to say, and I can, I can go now. My question is really confusing, because if I entered into that situation 30 years later, that's 20 years later, that's a book about practice, and I wonder what that word spiritual means in that moment, and maybe I'm supposed to do something on that day. And is anybody in the room confused about some of this stuff? Maybe not. You're excited. I'm thrilled to be here and looking at that. I think it's totally exciting. Good. Good. I, 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 well, I love it. You can see that. I'm, I'm thrilled. I tell people every once in a while, more and more, I think it's because of, possibly because of age, uh, something happened to me. Now, this is, this is something that's a bit odd, but something happened to me when I was about 16. Uh, I decided I was on one track, and the track that was I was really enjoying was science, and I love science, and I like to do science. And I was very fortunate to be at the age of 16, 15, and even 14, spending a lot of time with graduate students doing science. I love doing science, but what I saw was a culture that I was heading towards, which I didn't want to become. And I reconsidered, I had a reconsideration because of some experiences in my life, that what I really wanted to do was the column on the right at that age. And I came across a word that encapsulated for me, which is used a lot, and I think misused a lot, which is the word enlightenment or liberation. And I read, when I read about the qualities of liberation, something clicked, and I realized, actually, that's what I want to do for my life. That's what I want to do. And all the rest of the things I'm going to do will be done, but actually the core of my life is that. What we're facing is a craft that what we've forgotten, I'll try to bring this over, but this This list here is not something that just automatically happens to people. As we probably know, or maybe you know, uh, there's an old Tibetan saying, it happens to about one out of 100,000. The word 100,000 means a lot. So what we really mean by that is one out of a million people, one out of two or three or four, 10 million people, one day wake up sitting, having a coffee, getting out of bed, something and go, oh, and they go, it's all there. Not for the majority of us. So what is this column? It's a craft. It's an art. It's something that you need to devote your life to. Just as you are a practicing therapist, you get usually better and better and better at it. It's a craft. It's an art that you learn. It's an art, it's a craft. In the same way that I unfolding a richly endowed 
human being with great spiritual qualities is a lifetime craft, yes? It's not taught that way. And I'm going to take a break after this, but in North America especially, and I'm going to include Europe in that, and now in the East, the spiritual life, which is usually called meditation, being a meditator, has become fast food. It's become this North American thing that you do that's going to get you there. And you don't really need to do it as a craft. You just need to do it as a part-time thing that you take like a pill or a prescription. That's why you're confused. It's wrong. It's a lousy attitude. And it's been wrong for thousands of years. The spiritual life is a high craft. It comes first, not meditation. If you meditate as a technique, you're going to learn a technique, but these qualities will not happen. They'll happen occasionally. They'll happen a little bit. You'll stumble upon something, but you're not putting in the time, the energy, the investigation as you would in a high craft to unfold. You're not trying to unfold meditation. Meditation was never about becoming a super meditator, except among certain traditions. Okay? It was about becoming what? A fully endowed human being. You see where the difference is? And if you don't understand that from the very beginning, then you get lost in techniqueism and conceptual stuff and massive confusion. It's not about that. Let's take a... Any questions or any, any comments? Let's take a bit of a break after this. Yes. Sure. Okay. I want to bring them all together. Actually, at the highest level, which is not taught that much, but the highest level of spiritual paths, there is no difference between meditation and the full spiritual life. But I want to come to that because it's so misunderstood. I want to approach that bit by bit by bit by bit. Okay? I make actually, ultimately, at a high level, I make no distinction between meditation and mind, and I make no distinction between meditation and the complete spiritual path. If you start there, it's almost incomprehensible and very, very difficult for people to understand. So I want to approach that. Okay. Good. Any others? Let's take let's take a ten minute break till ten thirty and uh, come back together again.